Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here. Welcome to The Doug Show. And I am excited to talk to Alex Cooper from WP Eagle, the YouTube channel. He recently sold his Amazon affiliate site for $70,000. It was a full-on public case study, so you can track and uh, go relive the whole process if you want to. And we're gonna get the lowdown, why Alex sold it and some of the challenges and successes along the way. Alex, welcome today. How are you? I'm good. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me on. Of course, it's always uh, great to catch up. And this is a, a pretty cool story. But before we get into the details, for the people that don't know you at all, who are you, Alex, and what do you do? Okay, so I'm Alex. Um, my channel is WP Eagle. Um, it's called that because it was mainly about WordPress, but it evolved into using WordPress to create affiliate marketing websites. And yeah, on the channel, I share my experiences and um, thoughts on affiliate marketing. I also have some tutorials all around creating websites and creating affiliate marketing websites. And yeah, as Doug says, some of my most popular videos are my case study videos where I create a complete website and then do regular update videos on exactly what work I've done on the site, uh, how much traffic it's getting, how much it's earning, basically all the details so people can follow along with me and um, kind of share the success and the failures. Um, as they're creating their sites. And I want to skip ahead to some of the sort of final results that you were able to see from the site. So overall you sold it for 70 K and do you happen yeah. to remember the rough amount that you profited overall? So after expenses, including the sale of the site. I do. Uh, I need luckily cause I've got some figures in front of me. So yeah, the top level figures, are as follows so the site when i sold it was about two years old two years two months i think to be exact and over its lifetime i'd spent um twelve thousand three hundred dollars just about and most of that was spent on content so writers mainly writers a few videos in there as well and then i spent a bit of money on editing because i got a bit lazy and i was actually a bit slow adding the content so i, I hired an editor to help me add the content spent about 2000 on link building and then there was about 500 of other expenses you know hosting domain name that kind of stuff so yeah about 12300 on expense in terms of the income from the site so it was mainly monetized via amazon did have a little bit of ezoic on there as well but yeah the total revenue uh, over the lifetime was 21 and a half thousand um i'm rounding these numbers they're all rough but yes about that so that gives a total lifetime profit up until the point I sold it of 9,200 or roughly that kind of figure. So it was already profitable when I came to sell it. Um, and in fact, the last few months of it's uh, when I had it, I, I hadn't spent anything on it at all. It was just kind of just sitting there. I hadn't really done much work on it. It was, it was just earning well. And yeah, it's a roof box website. So it's quite seasonal. Um, it does well in the summer when people are thinking of going on trips and camping and that kind of stuff. Not so well in the winter. So yeah, I then, Yes, managed to sell it for 70,000. So if you add the 70 onto the nine, the total income um, from the site comes in around $79,000. That's awesome. Congratulations. So pretty pleased with. Yeah. <laughs> and as you said, it's been completely public. I created the site those two years ago because I wanted to create a video, one of my tutorial videos, which I, I create um, because I like to share how to create videos. And also it's another affiliate um, thing to do because I can obviously share links to hosting and domain names and other things within my tutorials. So that's the main reason why I create these tutorials. Previously, I'd created video tutorials where I just created the website and just kind of left it. So, you know, never really kind of followed through. But I thought with this one, what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep on working on it. I'm going to try and make a success of it. It's going to be great for content. Hopefully I'll get a, a community behind me that, you know, they're looking forward to the updates each month. And that's kind of what happened. So I, I put all the videos together in one playlist on YouTube, tried my best to do an update every single month, which I did. Sometimes I did more than one update a month, shared all the earnings, all the analytics, all the gory details. I'd spend whatever I spent money on. I'd share that. I'd do a review on whatever I spent money on. And it just basically share all of the details in the hope that it would come good and Thankfully it did. And in fact, I also had special guests come in like yourself and guys from income school and some other, you know, well-known YouTubers to come in and critique and, and give me feedback on the site, which was also good fun. Very awesome. And when you started 
the site and you started the project, were you intending on selling it or was this? Kind um, of a- yeah, I was always intending on selling it because I kind of needed an ending. It was, it was turning into like a, a feature length movie. It was just going on and on forever. I kind of feel deep down that maybe I sold it a little bit prematurely, but as we we're just talking about, I'm thinking of moving um, real soon. So I needed a chunk of money just to, to help facilitate that. So the easiest way to do that would be to sell the site. I also knew that it was kind of starting to move into the high-end price range. And you're probably aware of this, uh, having bought and sold sites yourself. I think once you start getting into maybe like $100,000 valuations and above, it becomes a little more tricky to sell the site. There's less people in that kind of higher-end bracket looking to buy sites. So, yeah, I just thought it's time to sell. The site was on an upward trajectory at the point at uh, the point that I was looking to sell it. So again, I know that's very favorable when you're selling sites. People like to see sites that are, are growing rather than declining. So yeah, you know, if I was in no hurry in terms of moving and didn't need the money, I might have held on to it for another few months. But you know, it may have been more difficult to sell as we head into winter because it would definitely start to decline again because it's seasonal. One thing I like when you're selling it on the incline and it's increasing it's getting more traffic it's actually the high season it's great for the new owner right you don't want to sell something and then it it tanks afterwards it's a horrible feeling and you know the other person probably doesn't feel great about it either so they have something that's kind of in the height of its season which is cool that you decided hey that's all right i'm gonna sell it and traffic is growing as well which is pretty cool yeah, that is good. And the guy who bought it, it's actually his first investment uh, in websites. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be a great site for him to, to kind of cut his teeth on. Now, did you run into any issues having this as a public case study? And just as a preface and a little background, uh, when you and I talked about this before um, you did it, and had the public site, I was thinking this is bananas, right? Like a public case study, um, people are going to mess with you. So did you ever run into any issues? No, there's been copycat sites for sure. People have copied it. I've, I've stumbled across them when I've been doing research and stuff for articles. I've found sites that are very similar to mine. Some that have pretty much taken the content that I had and um, maybe spun it a little bit. Sometimes not even bothered doing that. But no, I was never worried. I always knew that I... I kind of had that first mover advantage and that I'm the first one there and hopefully some kind of authority on it. But yeah, and I guess the other thing I had, there was quite a few negative comments that I used to get along the way, which I mentioned actually in my final video on the site on Reddit and just in YouTube in the comments where people were saying, you know, the site's no good, it's never going to work, what are you doing, and all kind of other negativity like that, which, you know, especially when maybe the site was having a bad month, whatever, can knock your confidence a little bit. But yeah, other than that, no, nothing like no negative SEO or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I, I always went in with the approach and I still do with everything I do on YouTube that if something negative happens, it still makes great content for YouTube because I would share exactly if someone did copy it or someone you know hacked it or did some negative SEO, I, I would always make a video about it anyway and, and hopefully overcome it. Right. That is the luxury of publishing content is even if it turns out bad, you can just share that story. And a lot of people fortunately relate to that. Yeah. They they see that everything isn't a slam dunk. Now that, that said, were you nervous in the beginning that maybe it wouldn't work or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah, I was. And that would, that would be a problem because I create lots of videos about affiliate marketing and about websites. And now I've never claimed to be an, an expert, but I guess I maybe I've got a few more credentials now when it comes to creating videos, but yeah, there's always a fear that it wouldn't work, but I just kept working away. And I think that's, you know, if you'd look back some, through some of my older videos, there were, there were months where it was in decline. Uh, Amazon cut the rates. Um, you know, I, was, I would sell some roof boxes and then people would return the roof boxes. So commission would go into the negative. There was lots of ups and downs, but I think sharing all of that, a lot of people got a lot out of that and were able to relate to it. And I think that's the one thing with these kind of sites. They take longer than you think. There's going to be ups and downs. Bad stuff's going to happen. You just got to keep going and you've got to just believe that, that it's going to be all right in the end. And, and hopefully it will be. So people can go back and go really granular looking at your keyword research and how you did the content and and 
any number of these details. How many videos do you have? Like 50 or something on this? Like 50 or something videos. Yeah. Yeah. Covering so, everything on, you know, how I put the articles together, all the research, all the stuff I spent money on, the link building companies I used, um, the videos I had created, what worked, what didn't work, uh, and all that stuff. It's all in there. Awesome. So since people can't go back, we're not going to go too granular in this conversation, but just on a high level, um, how, how did you approach keyword research, for example? Just the classic way of going into Google using the uh, the search suggest, answering questions. And the great thing about what I learned from this site, and I think when I do some future projects, especially Amazon projects, was that with the roof boxes, it's a product that people need help buying because there's so many roof boxes and there's so many different cars that, you know, they, they just need some guidance. And that actually was kind of a light bulb moment for me on the site was because I was doing some keyword research and um, starting to put some articles together. And I, I created an article around the Subaru Outback, back, which is a car in the States, which we don't have over here. That was a, a, a suggested search term from Google. And that did really well. And I just thought, okay, well, I just need to write articles about every single car. Um, that's that's because there's going to be people searching for best roof box four and then insert the, the car and make a model. So I did that and um, that really that really did help. But yeah, just standard keyword research using Google. I think I use maybe a few other little tools like um, answer the public and uh, keywords everywhere, things like that, but, but just generally straight from Google. Perfect. And, and it got to the point where I could kind of just think of kind of what people were looking for. So I did, you know, the best roof box for camping gear. Then I just thought of other gear, you know, fishing gear, skiing gear, <laughs> and, uh, you know, built it out from there. Awesome. And that, that's a great way to do it. And there's some brilliance in there, Alex, where, you know, there's, it's not an unlimited number of cars, but there's a lot of different kind of cars and a lot of different kind yeah. of applications. And I've been running into this with, uh, I've been getting more into guitars. I got a new guitar not that long ago. Oh yeah. And see in the background. there are <laughs> a lot of there's a lot of different manufacturers. There's a lot of different models. There's vintage guitars, which I'm starting to go down that rabbit hole, which is a very expensive proposition. Yeah. You also have, you know, I'm, I'm looking at uh, acoustics, but you have electrics and then you have different amps. And uh, so anyway, it, whatever niche you're working in, if it's something where there's a ton of these different products, there's some mixing and matching. So different roof yeah. boxes on different kind of cars, um, even different models, you have model year changes and it's yep. just brilliant. So kudos yep. for that. Now, was there anything that didn't turn out like you expected? There are probably several, so you can take your time on this one and, and think about some of the things that turn out <sighs> different than you thought. There's nothing that springs to mind. There was a few, um, so I ordered some videos from the Hoff um that maybe didn't quite go to plan <laughs> i mean i mean the thing with it was um obviously i was reviewing and writing about products that i just i i didn't own i couldn't possibly own every single roof box and i couldn't possibly own every single car to write about so a lot of it was done with research and using writers and, and that kind of stuff and yeah i paid the hoff to do um, some videos and set up a youtube channel uh, yeah, that didn't really have much of an effect. The other thing that was a big factor was the returns. So I think a lot of people would buy roof boxes, whether it was down to my research or what, <laughs> sometimes my advice wasn't as good as it could have been, but people would buy these big roof boxes. You see a fantastic commission in Amazon and then a few days later they'd return it. So yeah, that, that was maybe one thing. But other than that, it's, it's been, it's been fine. And it went against a few rules that a lot of people would say you shouldn't do. So for example, it's built on an exact match domain, bestroofbox.com. You know, a lot of people would say, no, you should call it something like, you know, traveler packing or, you know, how to transport your stuff or I don't know, some other kind of brandable keyword. Uh, so some, sorry, some other brandable URL, but yeah, it seemed to work well, the keyword match domain. Um, yeah. when people search for best roof box, it, it ranks on page one. And I know that that's something of, you know, yesteryear that you buy the keyword in the domain and you rank well, but it's, it seemed to work well. Although right. interestingly, a couple of the people that were looking to buy the site or people that were just buyers, they're investors. When I showed them the domain, they kind of went, okay, yeah, we're not buying any exact match domains. I don't know why they said that. I say it worked well for me. I guess maybe it's just too limiting. I don't know. 
What's your thoughts on exact match domains? Well, I specifically remember when I did the teardown video, I said, I can't believe you got an exact match domain. (laughs) I definitely, I fall into that camp. However, I saw what you were able to do, right? So there, there wasn't an issue. And if, uh, you know, if I take a step back and look at some of the stuff that I've done, I see niche site project. So it's keyword rich. And actually I rank pretty well for anything that has niche site in there, which yeah. it was not really that intentional. It kind of fit for a couple reasons, which is a whole other story, but a lot of the anchor text for the links that point to my site, niche site project, say niche site project. So I have a lot of anchor text that is yeah. completely relevant. And that is one benefit. Now I do know that, like you said, some people that are going to be interested in buying a six figure site, they may say, ah, oh, you know what? That is what we used to do in 2007. So I'm not going to do that. I mean, people did it all the mm. way until like 2014 pretty regularly and yeah. it can work. And I think it is limiting, just like you're saying. So if they wanted to branch out into other areas, they're kind of stuck in the roof box zone. Yeah. That said, yeah. you can find plenty of examples where, you know, sites are doing well because they have the keywords right in there. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's whatever. I mean, maybe because people, when they're looking to invest in a site, they want to build it out. And I'd put a lot of content on there and I had covered most roof box related things. I think you'd probably struggle to create too much more content. I'm sure there's plenty of other things to write about. There's no reason why you can't go into bike racks and, and other stuff, but yeah. And especially as people want maybe to add more informational content nowadays. And that's the other thing that I guess goes against a lot of rules. Site was maybe 85%, 90% product focused content. So a lot of it was, you know, the best X for Y, the best roof box for this, the best roof box for that. You know, a lot of affiliate links in the content, um, very product focused. And uh, again, I know that a lot of people nowadays would say, yeah, you probably don't want to do that. You probably want to have a lot more informational content. And, you know, there was some informational content on there. There was a guide to, you know, planning for a road trip. There was a guide on, you know, how to keep your kids entertained in the car when you're on a long journey uh, and some right. of that stuff. But yeah, most of the content was very product focused, which in turn meant that I earn a lot of Amazon commission (laughs) because the people that hit the site, they were looking for a roof box. They just needed a little bit of help. They weren't looking for how to plan a road trip. And then maybe there's the off chance they might want a roof box. They were looking for a roof box for a BMW. And I showed them five good roof boxes for a BMW. They clicked through, they bought one. So, yeah. That that really did shift though. I mean, you had the the site for a couple of years and... I have, I've said for a long time, like roughly 50, 50 is going to keep you in a safe zone. But yeah. I mean, there have been multiple, uh, algorithm updates that went after sites with kind of crappy reviews or mostly review content and that sort of thing. But well, and that brings us to another area. Did you ever get hit with any of the algorithm updates along the way? I mean, two and a half. Uh, not that I noticed. No, I mean, there was a traffic dip a uh, while back, but no, I mean, and the, the most recent one, only a month or so ago, there was the product review update, which in theory would hit a site like mine because everyone says Google were looking for, you know, proper product reviews where people had bought the roof box. They were, you know, in their garden, putting it on their car, filming it. No, it wasn't affected. And I, I don't know why. I mean, the, I thought the reviews were good. I mean, they were, we did all do research, you know, we did check that the boxes were the right kind of boxes and, and took what we could from the stuff that was already out there. But yeah. In fact, actually, maybe just because within that particular niche, there wasn't that many in-depth reviews because unless you're like a roof box company, you've got a, a shop or a warehouse full of roof boxes, very difficult to create that content. So I guess mine was still the best that there was. So let's talk about some of the link building. So you mentioned about $2,000 of uh, link building. How'd that go? Um, you know, Feel free to mention the services that you used if you want to okay yeah i will do um so services so i originally tried the hof which i know you've used in the past i've heard a lot about them and i actually think the links were okay i paid for their guest post services and again there's a full video on on my channel on this in the playlist they've got a number of services they've got a cheap service which i tried which was absolutely horrendous they created some horrible social media 
profile pages and, and linked from them. But their guest post service, uh, in fact, for one of those guest posts, I paid $500 for a, a really high-ranking guest post. I think that had a positive effect on the site. I'm pretty sure of that. DR went up and, and everything like that. Other link building I've used, and I know that, again, they're friends of yours. You've probably got a link. You can put a link in the description for um, niche website builders. They did some uh, of their shotgun skyscraper link building. That was towards the end of the site's um, life. I'm saying that sounded like it's I'm speaking like it's died. And but no, <laughs> they were doing that just before I sold it. So, yeah, they, they created some fantastic links. And they were the guys that created some of the content, some of the more informational content, like the road trip guide and, and how to travel with a dog, that kind of stuff. So that worked really well. And other stuff I did, I was pretty religious, especially in the beginning on posting and pinning images to Pinterest. I don't know what effect that had on um, on the ranking, but yeah, there was quite a few pins. And also a bit of YouTube. So I created a few YouTube videos, um, again, using the Hoff. On reflection, that probably wasn't money well spent. They basically took some of my articles and turned them into videos, and it was just like a guy standing in front of the camera kind of reading the article with a bit of B-roll thrown in there, so they weren't great. But... I think I was to go back to it, I would probably create more videos, but I'd just kind of do like a, a screen share presentation type video, I think. I think that might work quite well. And of course, I mean, I can't discount these. Every time I did a video update, which was every single month, there was obviously a link from that through to the site. So from my WP Eagle channel. Don't know what credibility or, or clout that had, but I guess it's you know 50 or 60 odd links from, from YouTube. Um, and right. that's about it, I think. Did a bit of outreach, a little bit of outreach where I was searching for, um, you know, sites that had a write for us page or a submit page. But again, having spoken to some experts like the guys at Niche Website Builders, they would say building links from those kind of sites is probably not a good idea because Google can see that they're the kind of site that accepts a lot of guest posts and maybe that possibly devalues the link. Yeah, I did all that stuff. And, and yeah, I actually got to the point where some of my um, viewers who were setting up complementary sites, whether it be in, I don't know, in travel or in cars or something related. And, you know, we'd do some sort of link exchange or, or a guest post or something like that. All right. And well, uh, yeah, that's it. You probably heard me talk about the Ezoic site speed accelerator which is being retired and it is being replaced by leap l-e-a-p and depending on when you listen to this episode it might be out already or it could be on the way so here are some fast facts about leap number one it is free and ezoic is replacing the site speed accelerator with leap prior to the google ux update Leap will be completely free when using Ezoic's monetization, that is the ad tester. And Leap includes all the features and tools needed to achieve good core web vitals. And I'm reading the copy here. Good is italicized. So maybe I would use air quotes. I'm not 100% sure what good means, but it's definitely not bad and it's positive. So it's going to be helpful for your core web vitals. Leap is the new tool set, a new tool set to uncover and fix the root causes of poor load times. And Ezoic will provide data on how various technologies and hosts affect all sites. So there's going to be a lot of cool data. You can sign up to uh, be notified. I think it's pretty easy to get to. It's um, link in the description. All right. I'm not going to read out a, a link here, but you can sign up to be notified and you can start using it right away. If you're using Ezoic, you'll be able to, you know, hook right in. Now, check out Ezoic Leap. Thanks for the sponsorship. And uh, if you're not using Ezoic, if you've never checked it out, if you're not quite sure, go have a look at the blog. There's tons of great information. And I really like working with the folks at Ezoic. Let's get back to the interview.
Do you know what the domain rating or domain authority was right before you sold it or towards the end there with all the, the links that you had? Yeah. I mean, I've got it. Well, this is on Ahrefs. So I've still got it on my Ahrefs. On Ahrefs, it had a DR of 50, um, which I think is pretty high. And it's reading that there's 1,500 um, backlinks. All right. And in fact, the first one that comes up from a website with a DR of 61 is from Niche Website Project or Niche Site Project, in fact. Is that your site? Is that someone else's site? No, that's you. It's you. So, again, I think that must have helped. There was a lot of other people in our space, in the affiliate marketing space, that saw my example and were linking to it as well. So it had a quite a quite a selection of links, not only from car and travel-related sites, but also from affiliate marketing-related sites. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, and, you know, quick note for the YouTube links that you had, you also got YouTube traffic. So I think that's probably a big deal. I know people, I mean, I, I get into no follow and do follow links, obviously do follow. That's important. But if you have like, you know, you publish videos from the beginning and you were getting traffic from YouTube, people were following those links and they consistently did it every month or more often. That has to help. And, you know, I don't know if you have a handle or no, how much traffic was coming through, but that's a great sign. If you ask me like to be able to get traffic from YouTube at the very beginning yeah. of a site and then continue to see it grow. And then you have all these people, you know, linking to it like that. So. Yeah, I think um, it definitely helped, but towards, well, after the site was quite well established and it was doing well on Google organic, there was less traffic from YouTube and less direct traffic, which was kind of good because I really wanted real traffic. I wanted people that were into roof boxes rather than people that were just curious about the site from an affiliate marketing point of view. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. And um, just curious, did you, any specific tools or plugins or things that you found instrumental for this particular site? Okay. So the site was built um, using Elementor. Again, I'm breaking a few rules here. <laughs> a lot of people would say don't use Elementor um, for you because I was using it on the content as well as the homepage. But I really liked Elementor. I thought it was a great way to kind of quickly put posts together and you know use templates and also create some posts that you know are quite good looking. So yeah, I used Elementor. The other plugin that I absolutely fell in love with was AAWP, which is obviously the plugin that you can use to create tables to compare products. Very useful for things like roof boxes because they're different shapes, they're different sizes. People want to see the storage capacity. They want to see does it open on one side or both sides, and you can kind of. Um, display and share that information really quickly in a, in a table. So AAWP was definitely a plugin I used all the time. They were probably the main ones. Going forward, I'm still torn with page builders. I like page builders because you can create some really good content that looks really good. And in fact, I've got a new site on the go right now, which is Best Pressure Washer. Again, another exact domain. But I'm using Thrive Themes with that, again, which is a great page builder. And the content looks really good. But, you know, maybe with the new uh, Google core web vitals thing that's coming out soon all related to speed maybe page builders are not, not such a good idea i'm torn um i don't know you don't use page builders do you for any content stuff no and i had kind of a poor experience with thrive specifically so it makes me laugh that okay. you're, you're using it but i had a really tough time with support and I, I have other friends that you know they swear by thrive and don't they have like a theme builder functionality it's, it's, it's very flexible you can do whatever you like with it yeah you can change your design which maybe is too much for some people some people at the end of the day the focus really should be the content you don't want to get too bogged down with the design and creating themes and all that stuff but yeah, yeah. Some people are well, shown they like a good looking site. I've not had any problem with Thrive, but then I haven't really needed any support as yet. Um, but yeah, I right. guess the future is to kind of cut that stuff out and just, just use Gutenberg or something lightweight. I think, in, and I had a particular use case. I mean, I complain about it all the time, but <laughs> I, I had a very long sales page and I needed to, you know, migrate it. And I, I used Thrive from the content builder. So this is like many years ago. And you can imagine as a company matures and they have newer tools and you have to go through the migration process, which is 
messy at best and then it can turn yeah. into a real nightmare which is that's what happened to me so i kind of swore okay. it off and you got burned I, and you're not going back yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I i feel like the meet for me personally the constraints of not having all the options like you said oh you can really do just about anything ah that's not good for me you know i, I need yeah. <laughs> my sites look like shit though i'll be honest with you and, and your your site looks nice and i mean the other part is you have, uh, I think, a little bit more of a design background, a little bit more of an eye. Well, yeah, I've built websites before. I mean, that's what I was doing. For, that's, in fact, why I set up the channel, because I was building websites, WordPress websites for clients and selling them. So, yeah. I mean, I don't do that anymore because that's a nightmare because um, <laughs> things yeah. always go wrong. Uh, and I've also got some guys on my team now that um, help me with the techie stuff and the hosting stuff and, and all that stuff. So if something stops working, I can just call up Phil. He fixes it. It's, it's fine. Um, Got it. Yeah, I've just built a new site. Um, I didn't use a page builder. In fact, it was a print-on-demand site, which just for a bit of fun. Oh, cool. But yeah, I don't know. There's loads of page builders, but I think guess the message from this is if you are using a page builder, um, maybe you start building a site with Elementor or some other page builder, it can still be a success. It can still be a success. If people are saying, oh, no, you should never use page builders, they're too slow – the site ranked really well. It got a ton of traffic. It made a load of money and it was using Elemental. There you go. Yeah. It, the, perfect. And I'm glad that, that you said that because I, I mean, I have opinions and I, I give opinions. You have yours as well. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's fine. Like you usually can find an example of things working or not working to prove whatever point you're trying to make. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I, Hopefully, you know, e neither of us sound too rigid. I think probably I, I would sound more rigid. You seem far more reasonable than me. Yeah, no, which whatever you want to go for. But, <laughs> um, yeah, probably you could save your money. And because at the end of the day, you have to spend, if you want to get the best out of Elemental, you need to buy the pro version. And it's all just expense um, that you probably don't need. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters too much what your website looks like. It needs to be clean. It needs to be crisp um have things laid out nicely but you know nothing too fancy so let's talk about how you sold the site and actually i'll just i'll just ask you how'd you sell the site <laughs> okay so i'd had a bit of interest from an associate and um so i was kind of i knew that there would be an interest in it. And I'd made someone made an offer to me. And the thing was, they were in the UK. And after I kind of looked around and took some advice from my accountant, because I have a company, a limited company in the UK, that's VAT registered. I'm not sure if you have VAT over in the States, you know, the sales tax. There would be a problem if I sold it to someone else in the UK. I basically have to add VAT, which in the UK is 20%. And on that kind of money, that's a lot of money. So I needed to sell it to someone outside of the UK because I don't have to charge VAT. And I'd also had an experience with Empire Flippers, in fact, where I'd thought about selling the site about 12 months previous when it, it wasn't earning anywhere near as much. And I'd spoken to Empire Flippers and they'd done a whole load of stuff and I'd done a whole load of forms and we'd had lots of like chats and meetings and actually got to the point where they looked at the P&L and they said they weren't, weren't going to be interested in selling it. But I also got a kind of flavor in terms of what's involved with a broker and also their fees. I mean, these guys, they take like 30%. So I really didn't want to do that either. I didn't want to spend 30% on fees. So what I did, I just reached out to my network. I think I emailed you. I emailed other friends of my channel and other people that I'd met, uh, other guests that I'd had on the channel, anyone that was kind of in our space, just sent out an email to everyone and just said, I'm thinking of selling my site. Are you interested or do you know anyone that might be interested? And pretty much everyone came back and said, thanks, but yeah, I'm not buying sites at the moment or yeah, I'm not interested or that's out of my budget. Um, but one person came back. I think I can name him. Miles Beckler, who is also a fellow YouTuber. He came back and said, yeah, Alex, I'm not interested, but I do know someone who's looking to build up a portfolio and I think your site might be a good fit. They hooked us up. We had a chat on Skype or whatever. Uh, I shared all the analytics, shared all the earnings um, and everything else, answered some questions. And yeah, we had a little bit of back and forth and they just said, yeah, I'm interested. Let's do it. So we set up an escrow agreement thing. I'm sure you've used escrow before, but basically it allows you to do these kind of deals. We agreed the price. The price came up um, 
basically it's a, it was a multiplier on the earnings. The last few months it's been earning around 2000. So um, it's like a 35 X, maybe a little bit more multiplier because of the growth. I thought it was worth a little bit more and a couple of other friends said, Oh, it's worth at least 70 K. So that was the kind of figure I had in my mind. I said, that's how much it is. They said, fine. And we set up the escrow. They put the money into escrow. I transfer the site when they're happy, they click a button and the money's released and the deal's done. And um, yeah, basically in terms of transferring, it was hosted with my own hosting, which is, is I mentioned Phil earlier, WP Eagle hosting. So I said, yeah, no, just take the whole lot. I'll host it for you for another 30 days. And if you want to carry on, then just sign up for our hosting service, which is what I did. So I got a new hosting company as well. So it was nice and easy and straightforward. That's so a awesome. new hosting customer, I should say. Yeah. And a quick, quick note. So, I thought Empire Flippers charged about 15%. Is it 30%? Oh, okay. Now, maybe I've got my feet fee mixed. I knew it was a quite a lot. Maybe. They, they take it's a still slice. still a lot. Yeah. Still a lot. When, you, when you're talking about 70,000, it's quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, you know, Empire Flippers, friend of the show. So just, I'll be clear on that. But yeah. <laughs> when you... No, no, nothing against them. And if I didn't have my network... I would have had to use a broker because I wouldn't be able to find a buyer. And if, in fact, if my network had failed and no one had come back and said that they knew anyone, then I would have definitely gone to somewhere like Empire Flippers. And the experience that I had with them was very positive. In the first time, it was just unfortunate that at that point, the site wasn't kind of in the level that they're looking for. They, they're not a big, well, they don't sell small sites. They sell sites that are, are doing pretty well. Yep. But also Spencer, is it Spencer I'm thinking of? Who also has, um, what's Motion it called? Motion Invest. Motion Invest. That's Spencer, isn't it? That's yep. Spencer. He would be another consideration because I know he sells uh, sites that are a bit smaller. So, yeah, if my network had failed, I would have definitely used a broker. Um, but mm -hmm. it was just, I, I just thought I must know enough people in the space. And in fact, I did, you know, Carl Broadbent, again, he's a friend of the channel. He, um, he, he hooked me up with some people that he'd sold sites to. And it was just when he said that he knew a guy that, you know, would just put the money in your bank account if you wanted to site and there'd be no messing around. I just, that just sounded so, so appealing to me. Yeah. Whereas with the brokers, there's a lot more due diligence and all that kind of stuff. And that, that's what I was going to say. It's like, it slows you down so much. You have yeah. multiple levels of due diligence and there's certainly some value in that probably usually more for the buyer, but it just slows everything down. So even if you have all the information that you need, you provide it to them. They're still back and forth. There's still time zone differences and it just, yeah. it's like wearing, you know, cement shoes, right? It's just really slow. It just takes long. So yeah, I thought selling it to a, for a friend of a friend um, would just be so much easier. And it turned out it was, and mm -hmm. you know, it's perfect. You don't have to pay any commission and it's probably the best way to do it. I mean, if you know somebody, we just got to ask around and see who you know, and you never know. And I was going to say that's one, you know, one small reason if you're in this world that that we are to have some small presence to have, you know, either a YouTube channel or a blog. It doesn't have to be big. You don't have to, you know, publish as often as Alex and I do. But if you have like a network and people know you, you don't necessarily have to go through a broker and you could save, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. Like it's a huge when you start, you know, selling like a half a million dollar site, it's like, oh man, how much are you giving, not giving away, but how much are you <laughs> losing through yeah. having to access someone else's network, which would be the brokers. So, yeah. I mean, and I, I also hang out and there's, there's Facebook groups. I'm sure you've seen them, the flipper Facebook groups and stuff. And, and there's ways of reaching people through those. But um, again, in terms of the due diligence, it's going to be a bit trickier. You're going to be dealing directly with people and, you never know, 100% sure. At least you've got the safety. If you use a broker, I mean, they do charge for it, but you get, A, you get connected with, with some buyers that are hopefully good and have got money in the bank. And it kind of takes a little bit of that worry away. Um, but yeah, because the, the buyer was recommended to me through, through a, a friend and trusted person, I thought, thought it'd be fine. And it was fine. Awesome. So let's see. Are there any things that you uh, wish you could like change in the way you ran the case study with the site in general or, or selling it anything that you, you know, at this point, looking back that you have second thoughts on? Um, no, I think I, so I think I would have probably kept it, maybe kept it a little bit longer. 
just to see how high it would get. You know, I'm pretty confident that the new buyer is going to be enjoying some some free K, maybe 4K months in the next few months, especially as things start opening up and people start traveling some more. So that would have been good. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, uh, it went as well as I could have, could have hoped. And yeah, maybe I could have worked on it a bit more. There were some points where I kind of slowed down. I, I stopped adding content. I stopped working on it, did some other things. And some months I didn't have much to talk about in terms of the updates. Maybe I could have got it up to the, got to value, um, a bit quicker, but you know, other than that, I'm, I'm happy with it. And it's, it's now inspired me and it's proven to me that I can do it. And I'm now just kind of hungry for the next one. And maybe the next one I'll sell it for six figures, get a hundred K site, a 200 K site. I don't know, but, but um, I'm trying to find a niche that's uh, or a niche that's, that's kind of got that content potential where there's lots of different products, lots of different applications, lots of scope um, for guides and content. And I kind of coincidentally, or accidentally, I should say, fell into the Roofbox niche because it was just, I just so happened that at the time I was looking to get a Roofbox for my car and I just fell into it and it turned out to be a fantastic niche. And, you know, that's often the way, isn't it? You do all the research you can and sometimes you just stumble across some great niches. Yeah. Very cool. Well, what are you working on now? I know you alluded to a, a new site that you just started. Um, I know you have a couple sites out there. So what are you working on now? Got a few things coming through. Um, so I've got Best Pressure Washer, which is a site that I did a while back, which again, I've neglected, but now I'm focusing on getting a lot of content through for that. I've got Wheel Along, which is my UK-based site, which is going to be interesting because, again, it's a site that I want to sell. And as I kind of touched on earlier, there's a, a VAT issue with if I wanted to sell that to another UK um, business or, or person, that could be an issue. And also, I don't know the value of the UK sites because people tend to want to buy a .com. But so that, that's going to make an interesting case study. It was hit recently. It was doing well. I bought some links that kind of pushed it up. And then those links, I think, got flagged by Google or something. And then it dropped again. But, you know, that's all part of the adventure. So it could be interesting. The scope of content on it is tricky. It's all about trolleys and things with wheels, wheelbarrows, that kind of stuff. But hey, it's got some traffic. It is um, generating some sales. So I think it's got potential. And the bonus of being a UK site is that the Amazon commission rates are a bit more generous here in the UK than they are in the States. I've got a site that I bought a little while back, um, which is kind of a generic information site. It's called knowledgeablemind.com, which I think I'm going to do a case study on it. I wanted to create a site that wasn't Amazon affiliate, that was more informational. So that could be the one, but I don't know. <laughs> it's about kind of everything, so maybe it's too broad. But we'll see. I'm going to have some fun with that. I've also got a theme that myself and Phil, who I mentioned, my server techie guy, and Carl, who I also mentioned, we are working on a theme that should be released very soon. It's in alpha testing at the moment. It's a theme that's designed for affiliate sites. It's super fast, super lean. Got a very similar look and feel to Best Roofbox, you know, clean design. So that could be exciting because I've never done anything like that. I've always wanted to have a theme um, or plugin or something WordPress related that I could, you know, sell or give away. We're, we're going to sell it. <laughs> it's going to be ninety nine dollars. But I was kind of inspired by Matt, who I know is a friend of yours and friend of friend of mine as well, um, because his theme is so cool and he's had some success with that. So I thought, yeah, why not? Let's build a theme. So that should be available in the next few weeks and. Um, of course, I'm going to do some videos around that, create a site with it, and, and see how it goes. Wow, that's pretty cool. Do you, what's the theme going to be called? It's called popcorn. Like, popcorn. you know, popcorn right. that you eat when you go to the movies. I love popcorn. I think that's a great Yeah, one. I don't know. We, <laughs> we just needed a name and why not. So popcornthemed.com, you'll be able to find it on there soon. Once we've figured out, you know, how we're going to sell it, whether we're going to support it, um, we're probably not going to support it. I know that Matt doesn't really support his team, does he? And he seems to do okay. You know, I don't want to get bogged down with that. I just want to have it as a nice kind of side uh, side project. Right, right. Well, and that's one of that was one of my small complaints with Matt, who, yeah, he's a good, good friend of mine. But yeah, it's tough when when you have the theme and you need a little bit of help, and 
it specifically states on the the sales page, hey, hey, no support. Of course, Matt does, you know, he helped me out a little bit, like where, where I needed yeah. to help. But that's a tough one because support is like, let's say, well, you know how it is. Someone's using some rogue plugin that, you know, is weird and has issues. And then you have to try and trace that down. You're like, ah, yeah, well, you got this weird so plugin. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. <laughs> what I'm thinking, and I've seen this before just within my community you know in my facebook group and on youtube and discord is that the community is really good at supporting it's each other and i've got some good guys in my community and i've already sent them a, a copy of the theme and you know they're, they're on it they're testing it they're loving it they're giving us loads of feedback so i'm just hoping that we can create a nice community we can get a few guys in like that that are passionate about um the theme and about you know just helping people and it can kind of self-support itself or, or we'll think of another way maybe you have to pay for support or something i don't know we'll, we'll think of something but it's going to be such a nice kind of a lean simple theme that hopefully there isn't going to be too much that goes wrong no one can hopefully i don't know yeah yeah well, i think that's great too and i i, I often say I'm, I'm just bad at communities i'm bad as a member i'm bad at like running my own uh, for whatever reason i think it's it's because it's all like keyboard or phone related so i just have i'm, I'm trying to get yeah. away from screens and stuff but you have a great community alex and whenever i hop in to a live stream or something everyone's so nice and friendly and you've done a great job nurturing that whole thing so well, i think it'll probably if i'm honest i didn't i haven't done too much especially like on the facebook group and the discord i mean the discord was actually i didn't even set up myself a community member set up the wp or discord I, I dip in there now and again, and there's people chatting and having fun, hanging out, sharing ideas, sharing thoughts. It's really nothing to do with me. I mean, all I've done is created the video and videos and brought viewers together that have obviously a similar uh, passion and similar uh, interest and the rest. And again, with the Facebook, I mean, I, I rarely post. I try and reply to some things, but I, I can't reply to every message and every thread. And Thankfully, I've got some great community members and they do it. They comment on stuff and they help each other out. And um, I haven't had to do too much moderating, although I did kick someone out of the group just the other day. But that's the first time I've done that for a, for a long time. Wow. Some people are just so toxic. I don't know what they what it is. I try to help the guy kind of like, you know, everything seemed to be against him. Everything was this and that. And it's like, well... <laughs> Maybe it's you. Yeah. <laughs> I gave him a few life. chances and then, and then he had to go. But yeah, other than that, community, the community has been fantastic. Right on. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. I have one more question. Uh, typically, I would say, what would you advise someone that wants to recreate what you've done? But it turns out they could just watch all your videos and, and recreate it themselves. So I'm going to ask you something a little different. Okay. How would you recommend someone to do a public case study like you have done any tips or wisdom if someone thought hey i want to start a new youtube channel and i want to do a case study and just share everything i'd say go for it i'd say don't be scared of uh, people copying it or people doing negative stuff be confident in what you're doing and well there's a few things that i've learned be regular with your uploads. And I did try and be as regular as I possibly could. So, you know, first or second of each month, get the upload up there, get the update um, published. Because people will be asking, where's the update? Where are you doing an update on Best Root Books this month? Um, so try and be regular because people will be looking out for those update videos. Don't worry if things go wrong. Um, that's something I thought about in the beginning. You know, oh, the site's not growing. We're not making any money. Traffic's gone down. Don't worry. Just use that in your content. Share the negative things. Share the bad stuff that happens because that is as, as valuable, if not more valuable, than when stuff goes right because people that are following along and doing their own projects, they're going to have stuff go wrong as well and they're going to want to see how you handle it, how you deal with it, um, and how, the, you know, basically, yeah, you handle it and deal with it and keep all that stuff in. Don't try and gloss over it. Don't try and make it all perfect because, of course, it's not going to be perfect. So I guess, yeah, they're, they're my main things. Be completely honest as well. Just, you know, share your earnings, share your traffic. Don't hide anything. And uh, yeah, just be completely open and you should be fine. And uh, I guess my final point would be, um, don't worry about the negative stuff, which kind of, I did, I did worry about that, but now, yeah, it's, it's water off a dog's, water off a dog's back, water off a duck's back. Um, 
there's going to be people, there's going to be haters, there's going to be people saying that you don't know what you're doing, that you're wasting your time, you're wasting your money, it's never going to work. And, yeah, you just got to ignore them, haven't you? Amazing. Well, thanks, <laughs> Alex. Where can people find you? Just head over to YouTube, do a search for WP Eagle. Maybe Doug will put a link to my channel in the description. But, yeah, if you do a search for WP Eagle, uh, you should be able to find me. And then if you click on the playlists on my channel, you'll see that there's a couple of playlists. There's what one for each of the different projects that I mentioned. And obviously the main one is Best Roof Box. If you can't be bothered to watch all the 50 videos or however many there are, if you go to the very last video, I tried to summarize everything in terms of everything that I've done, what I've learned, um, what I spent, all that all that details kind of consolidated into into one video. Then if you've got you know a day or so free, you can watch the entire playlist. <laughs> it's like an MBA in affiliate marketing. Yeah, I mean, the very first video is two hours plus long because the very first video is me making the site step by step, every single thing I did to build the site. Um, and then obviously the site that's in that video is quite different to the site that's in the last video because of all the changes and extra plugins and things that I've learned along the way. But um, yeah, just dip into it as you want. All right. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Check out Alex's stuff and really appreciate it, man. It's good to have, good to be back and um, we'll have to have you on, on WP Eagle soon. Consider it done. Cool. All right. I'll see you later. Thanks again to Alex Cooper over at WP Eagle. If you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, you should. There are so many videos. And yeah, he, he was super cool when I was trying to get started on YouTube. And we collaborated a little bit, had uh, really a good time. And he's a friend of mine now. It's, it's pretty cool. So this was a great story. And I am always so nervous with these public case studies. And like, well, like I asked him, were you nervous if it wasn't going to work out? And that would be part of the fear of, you know, me trying to do a public case study. What if it doesn't work out? It takes so long for these things to get traction. There's some times or some months where there's really not much going on and you're just grinding it out. That is the reality of these sites. Another uh, great example of case studies and someone who keeps showing up and doing a super awesome job is Spencer Hawes at Niche Pursuits. He has several case studies out there and you can have a look. Some of them are, are public. I think all of them are at this point. But anyway, Niche Pursuits, Spencer, he, he does a great job and keeps showing up and, and doing more case studies and adapting with the changing industry. So I'm not going to ramble on too much longer. Actually, I'm not going to ramble on anymore. So have a good day out there and I'll catch you on the next episode.